Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome back to the Toe Meets Leather Podcast. I'm Logan, and here with me today is Andrew Rodriguez. Andrew, uh, are you aware of how many NC State quarterbacks are currently in the NFL? Uh, at one time, they had four starting quarterbacks. I think it's five. It's Philip Rivers. I don't think. Oh, yeah, that's true. I guess because Philip took over, so now he's a backup. So maybe it is. Never mind. Right. Well, because I know at one time you had Rivers, Wilson, Brissett, and I think Ryan Finley. Uh, Wilson. Oh, you already said Wilson. Yeah, never mind. Sorry. They're all starting at the same time. Uh, what about Brissett? Did you say him? Yeah, I think so. Oh, okay. Well, I wouldn't think. Yeah, this is, shows how much I pay attention to what you say. Okay, cool. I mean, I'm married. I'm used to it. <laughs> That's... Uh, all right, so... I'm just glad my wife doesn't listen to this podcast. But I guess my point is, uh, what happened with that? Like, why is NC State... Like, I don't even know where they fell off the... I... They haven't won a conference title in football since, like, the 70s or something, I think. Like, it's crazy. Um, they've had a lot of, like, decent talent go through Raleigh, but, you know, they, as you know, they are beholden to NC State shit, so... That's fair. I yeah, I can't begin to fully understand that. It seems like they get the recruits, they just can't uh, put it on the field efficiently. Uh, kind of like another team I could think of who isn't playing this week. Um, I mean, we don't even get the recruits. Yeah, we're start. We're starting to get there. I mean, basketball signed the uh, number seventeen class yesterday. I think didn't we in football sign like the number twenty nine class last year or something silly? I think so. I think we were right around like thirty or something. Yeah, so we did pretty good. Uh, baseball has signed back-to-back top 10 classes. Yeah, I mean, so that's what I'm saying. We're, we're signing pretty good talent. We just can't. <laughs> in all the other sports. Uh, we have three guys playing in the Masters right now. Oh, yeah, that's true. Uh, we'll see. Including, um, no, I'm not going to say defending U.S. Amateur, because he won the 2019 U.S. Amateur, Andy Ogletree. But the cool part of that is Ogletree won the 2019 U.S. Amateur and the 2020 U.S. Amateur was won by his roommate at Georgia Tech, Tyler Strafasi. Hmm. Didn't know that. But I, I'm not particularly surprised, but I did not know that that was uh, the case. No. Uh, Georgia Tech has a pretty good history of putting out golfers, I thought. Well, they're not like big name golfers. I don't think anybody's got quite the same name recognition as like Phil or uh, uh, Tiger, but yeah, I mean. David Duval was the number one ranked player in the world at one time, and then he got hurt. Yeah. Uh, and then he got I mean, obviously, hurt. Obviously Bobby Jones being kind well, of pain. <laughs> Bobby Jones is the poster child, certainly. I would I would imagine. Yeah. Um, which also, they got rid of his golf course downtown. I'm kind of torn up about that. Man. Did they? Yeah, but it wasn't that great of a golf course anyway. So, um... Georgia Tech said four guys win the U.S. Amateur. You know, Ogletree, Kuchar, and Bobby Jones. You know, we've got all this talent, and yet I can't find a single online ugly sweater to buy for Georgia Tech. Alabama's got plenty, <laughs> but I can't find one I, for Georgia I think Tech. a lot of that. I, the story I've always heard is that Georgia Tech's really anal about their licensing deals. So like we don't license as much as we probably should, so it's it's a lot harder to find Georgia Tech stuff. That's, it, that's, it's all I find it's true. But. I 
feel like I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know the logistics of that. I feel like if you license more stuff, you tend to sell more stuff. But what do I know? I mean, I, I absolutely agree with you. So, yeah. All right. So, we are a college football podcast. Uh, let's talk about some college football. <laughs> um, so, Clemson, Notre Dame. Uh, I think we kind of, we kind of touched on this before the cast, but that was an incredible game. Uh, there's a lot to be said about both these teams kind of walking away. I feel bad because uh, going into it last week, I mean, I don't know. I didn't listen back to your comments, but I know for certain that my opinion was Notre Dame did not match up to Clemson. And they came up and they proved otherwise. Even even if you uh, are going to say that Uyungle is, uh, you know, not on the same level as uh, – you know the the starting the typical starting quarterback for Clemson. That I I think you still have to say that uh, overall Notre Dame really went out there and performed. Uh, what were your thoughts, Andrew, watching that game, the entirety of that game? So I think I think I was half right on my prediction because I said that Notre Dame had to force turnovers to win the game and they won the turnover battle three to one. So they were plus two in turnovers, which definitely helped them out. The biggest surprise to me was a mixture of two things. The ineptitude of the Clemson running the ball. Like they, they had 34 carries, 33 attempts, 34 yards, one yard per rush. Like, and you know, I mean, everyone talks about Travis Etienne, and he is an incredible player. But we saw the Notre Dame defense that really came to play, did what they needed to do. I believe Clemson had some injuries in the offensive line in this game that, that impacted them a lot and may have played Adam Uyungle, you know, threw for 439 yards and two touchdowns and no interceptions. I mean, I think he played a pretty good game, all things considered. The other thing that really surprised me was how poorly Clemson played on defense. Notre Dame put up 5.2 yards per carry, 208 yards on 40 carries. Uh, that's nuts. I mean, you don't normally see that. You know, they were horrible on third down. Notre Dame went 10 of 19 on third down. You know, so the Clemson, to me, the Clemson defense really played the active role in losing this game. And I guess that's where you kind of look at the injuries and the out players hurt them a lot more. They were missing uh, Skowski. They're a really good linebacker. And you kind of – you can go watch a couple of plays and see his backup get washed out on plays that he probably would have been in a better position to make. So to me, that was the big thing is, is I think the Clemson defense finally showed some cracks. I mean, we've seen it as this this juggernaut for so long that, you know, maybe they're not as deep as we thought they were. Maybe the young guys haven't developed the way we thought they have. And that's the – and all credit to Notre Dame. You know, everyone doubted them. We all doubted them. No one expected them to do this. And, and to me, this is them announcing to the world, hey, we're for real. Uh, you know, this isn't the Manti Teo Notre Dame that gets run off the field by Alabama – in the national championship game. I mean, this Notre Dame is here to play. Now, uh, it'll be fascinating because I really expect us to see this as a rematch in the ACC title game, so that'll be really fascinating because if Clemson can get some of their guys healthy and, and really see what that turns into. But, I mean, I think Notre Dame put itself in a great place to make the playoffs. I mean, that said, they are in the ACC now, and the most ACC thing ever would be to beat the number one team of the nation and then to go and lose to Boston College. Um, but yeah, back to. I, mean, I think their game against Boston College this weekend might be Boston College's red bandana game. So Ooh, that's uh, that's yes. gonna be interesting. For those, for <laughs> those, assuming it gets played, I mean, COVID's canceling everything right 
now. So yeah, for those unfamiliar, uh, once a year, every year, uh, Boston College plays the Red Bandana Game to honor one of their alumni who helped. Uh, I think he was escorting people out of the tower as it was going down. On yeah, it was. So yeah, this is that's he was a, a, he was a lacrosse player at Boston College too, actually. Yeah, he's a big emotional game for them, and they always play up for it. So it'll be interesting to see, but. Back to the Clemson-Notre Dame game. I think uh, you were talking about it from a Clemson defensive standpoint, but I think a lot of the cracks are kind of what we saw from the game against they had against Boston College, where they gave up a lot of points very early. Um, and I think Notre Dame walked away with some lessons from that game where – now I don't know if it's that Travis Etienne doesn't measure up to our ideal of him or if it's that – the teams are starting to learn that maybe if we just shut this guy down, the Clemson has a lot harder time, I guess, managing the game. Uh, but either way, I think that was kind of Notre Dame's strategy going into it, and they certainly succeeded. Um, but yeah, I think uh, I think you can argue about some of the game management strategies, but overall, I think both teams played a fantastic game. Uyungle, as you pointed out, put up the most yards against Notre Dame ever as a uh, as a uh, quarterback. So that's uh, this is pretty impressive. Um, but yeah, that was. Uh, I'm I'm hoping to see a rematch, and potentially there could be a third match. And who knows? But uh, I don't know that I I don't know. Do you th- did you see that the playoff committee might throw them both in there? Yeah, it's possible. I think the fascinating one is, like I said, we will probably see a rematch in the ACC championship game. Wins that game, you kind of look at them both and go, well, they're both one-loss teams, and their only losses are against each other. I mean, i got to do the math and figure out who else can end up in that scenario in the ACC championship right now, because I think it's becoming a very limited pool at this point. Uh, I mean, maybe North Carolina, but you would need a couple of teams to trip up and maybe Wake Forest, but kind of the same story. Yeah, I mean, your your one-loss teams are Clemson, Miami. Your two-loss teams are UNC, Virginia Tech, and Wake. Uh, obviously, Wake and North Carolina play this week, so that's going to give one of them three losses. North Carolina, Virginia Tech have already played North Carolina, won that game. North Carolina have not played Miami. I don't think they play Miami. Um, yeah, my, no, Miami-UNC is the last game of the week, or the season. So it is possible that that could be if Clemson or Notre Dame trip up significantly. Uh, you know, that, that Miami-North Carolina game could be a play problem is Clemson's three games left or Florida State, Pitt, Virginia Tech. I don't really see them losing any of those. So, you know, if you're Miami, you're hoping that and and... Clemson somehow screwed up because I'm pretty sure Clemson's already beaten Miami. Yeah, so uh, I mean it's possible that it could be anyone that's not Clemson or Notre Dame, but I, I think that's kind of who you're. Well, at this you're really struck with at this point, Notre Dame would really have to make a mistake, and I mean Clemson has to make less of a mistake, but I don't think they've got anything left on their uh, calendar that really seems very threatening. Uh, BC and at UNC are the next two games for Notre Dame. So those two would be kind of my biggest because I don't think Syracuse, I love Wake, but I just I don't think Wake would be 
that's huge of a challenge yeah. for Notre Dame. Clemson, so. Clemson has nobody. They've got FSU, Pitt at home, and Virginia Tech on the road. So maybe Virginia Tech. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it, it's very likely that these two will meet up in the ACC championship. I just have a hard time buying into it because, you know, ACC things are ACC things. So it would be the most, it would be very coastal of them to <laughs> trip up and lose their last two games. But yeah. we'll, we'll see. I, I think that this is turning up to be a very ACC oriented uh, kind of uh, end of the year. Now, I guess my other question before we move on to other games, uh, if seeing how this goes this year, does this incentivize Notre Dame to legitimately consider joining the ACC? No. Not at all. <laughs> no. They just have too they, much money to lose. Uh, yeah, that, it's the money. I mean, they're sharing their TV deal with the ACC this year, but next year, to me, the big reason that they joined the ACC this season was scheduling is they didn't want to try to, especially because the Pac-12 is not going to play, the Big Ten's not going to play. Those are a lot of Notre Dame's traditional games. So they, B, they joined the ACC for the express purpose of being able to fill out a schedule easily. And next year, you know, if we're not dealing with a global pandemic, then their schedule should be filled out pretty easily and they won't really need the ACC. Gotcha. Yeah, I mean, that's not unreasonable. I think, yeah. I think a lot of ACC fans are hoping that they'll join because that would mean uh, the world to the ACC. But, yeah, at this point, the ACC needs Notre Dame more than the Notre Dame needs the ACC, as weird as it sounds. Uh, you know, I don't I don't necessarily agree with that because Notre Dame needs somewhere to stick their other sports, and that's what they've done with the ACC, is they've stuck all other – outside of, I think, like hockey and lacrosse, maybe. I don't know. They've done some weird things with sports that aren't sponsored by a lot of teams – but the majority of their other sports, baseball, volleyball, basketball, softball, they're all they're all the ACC, and that's Notre Dame's biggest thing is as an independent, they have so much cash as, as a football program, but they've got to find their sports. And for the longest time, that was the Big East, which made sense. But I just I don't think the Big East wanted them now that the Big East has become this the, the basketball conference that they are. Yeah. Well, I don't even know what the Big East wants at this point. The Big East is all over the place. I do I do feel that from a personal standpoint, I think it would be beneficial for Notre Dame to be in a conference where they're playing, you know, top competition year in, year out. Because right now the best two they've got on their schedule is USC and Michigan probably. I mean, with Navy and Army kind of like iffy, depending on the circumstances. Yeah, I mean, they play Stanford every year, too, which is kind of one of their... Yeah, so, I mean, they've, they've kind of got arguments for it, but it just depends on the year, and I don't think it gets viewed as highly. Whereas if you're playing Clemson every year, it's kind of like, well, you know, it's kind of hard to argue. But I, I think at this point, it's, like you said, it comes down to money, and Notre Dame just has so much money to gain on its own by being a separate part entity. So, uh, fun update for Notre Dame. Uh, men's ice hockey is the only sport other than football that does not compete in the ACC. It is in the Big Ten. Well, that's because and the ACC doesn't... doesn't sponsor hockey. Yeah, of course. Outside of Boston College. I think Syracuse, maybe. Yeah, the rest of the teams are club teams. Like, we have a club team. It's actually, I'm sure they're really good. They are very good, actually. Um, but anyway, at least for the state of Georgia. Uh, back to college football. So some other games last week, um, BYU versus Boise State. 
Uh, Zach Wilson walked away looking fantastic. Um, and I think we, again, something we had already touched on BYU is kind of in the running with Cincinnati and with, um, I guess, Liberty and Coastal Carolina, depending on who you ask, uh, for being kind of this outside contender. I don't really think any of those teams are going to make the playoffs. I don't know if, if you have a different opinion. I mean, it would take some shenanigans, certainly. So the question for so, me, go ahead. The shenanigans are somewhat possible because, again, like Clemson and Notre Dame have to play each other. And it's looking more and more likely that Alabama and Florida are going to play each other in the SEC title game. So Cincinnati's and BYU's biggest hope is that, A, one of them lose, and then Notre Dame beats Clemson for the second time, and Alabama beats Florida to give them both two losses. So then you have, say, an undefeated Cincinnati that would have a much bigger argument. Say you've got an undefeated Alabama, an undefeated Notre Dame, and an undefeated Ohio State. It's easier to make the argument, oh, throw undefeated Cincinnati in there. Because Texas A&M, well, Texas A&M to me becomes the spoiler there. Because Texas A&M only has one loss, and they've already lost to Alabama. So if they win out, they'll be a one-loss team that doesn't play in the SEC title game. And we've seen this before. Yeah, um, I think I think there's a few other factors that you got to consider. But also, if you're taking into consideration the idea that you know, we're saying that Clemson comes back with Trevor Lawrence and beats Notre Dame in a close game. Then you're throwing Clemson and Notre Dame in there. Uh, I, I don't know. I think there's enough arguments to kind of say that there are other but teams. You'd be crazier if Florida beats Alabama in the SEC and they both have one loss. Yeah, well, and then you've also got Texas A&M, you know. So, so then, you get a, then you get a fun word. We have three one-loss teams in the SEC whose only losses were to each other. Yeah. A&M beating Florida, Florida beating Bama, Bama beating A&M. Uh, <laughs> this is, yeah, which will be a fun argument. I think... Yeah, give, me the, give me the chaos that gets me a Cincinnati, BYU, Coastal Carolina playoff. I just want them to have their separate playoff. I like, can they just be like, fuck it, we're doing our own playoff. Fuck I mean, that's, that's what happened in, I think it was, was it 1979, <laughs> when you had the um, 1, 1A, 1AA split, that's now the FBS-FCS split. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I, I don't think that would be the worst plan if the committee... I, I honestly... Okay, this is a whole other cast. we got to get back to the actual <laughs> last week. But I do want to point out, I think that would be an interesting discussion of, like, instead of expanding this playoff, just have two separate playoffs. But anyway, uh, that would probably lead to more dissension. Yeah, BYU looked good. Zach Wilson, I think we talked about it earlier is trying to make his uh, Heisman candidate, you know, statement, uh, his highlight reel, I guess. Um, what do you think about his uh, possibilities, though? I mean, I think also, I think he's a great player. I don't really have anything against BYU. Uh, their stadium's beautiful. Provo's really nice. The people are really friendly. But... I mean, his biggest problem is he plays at BYU. They've got two games left against North Alabama and San Diego State. Uh, you know, not really opportunities to make a big – even if they beat him handily and he puts up goddish numbers, uh, he's not going to get looked at and say a Mac Jones at Alabama or, uh, you know, even you know, Spencer Rattler at Oklahoma, Lawrence at Clemson, Kyle Trask at Florida – I mean, that's the guys you're going to look at is you're, you're playing Kellen Bond, 
You know, I think Ian Book, even though his numbers aren't great, you know, he's only thrown for eight touchdowns. Um, his QBR is pretty good, but because he's quarterback at Notre Dame, I mean, his name is going to start popping into, oh, he should be in the Heisman race. Yeah, I mean, you're even looking at DeAndre King in Miami, who's starting to make another charge back after that one loss early on. They've really started charging back, and he's putting up great stats too. So, yeah, yeah I mean, there's too many top five. Yeah, my boy, Grayson McCall at Coastal Carolina, putting up great 70% of his passes. I think he legit. 16 touchdowns to one interception, one sack three times. Like, come at me. I think he legit needs consideration, but this is kind of like that year that I think the Navy quarterback deserved consideration and he just didn't get it. And again, it's because he played for Navy. So what are you going to do? Um, but yeah, I mean, I, th- I hope BYU makes a run, but for now, I uh, yeah, Gabriel at UCF, the, who's thrown 22 touchdowns. The, the only ways I can see it happening is BYU has to make the playoff and he might get in or the headmasters at BYU convince the Heisman committee that the award can be polyamorous and then they get two <laughs> and then they get two or three winners of the Heisman uh, Award. Uh, Brady White at Memphis, another quarterback who's putting up insane bursts who's gonna get ignored. Like you know, Jerkovich at Boston College, uh, Malik Willis at Liberty who just knocked off Virginia Tech. Willis is not putting up gaudy numbers, but he's also the leading running quarterback we, in terms of rushing yards for quarterbacks. I mean, so, do we want to make an argument for Sam Howell? He's not. Yeah, I mean, Howell's putting up insane numbers, too. Howell's problem is he splits a backfield with Michael Carter and Javante Williams, who are grown men. Yeah, I think the problem is not his – his accuracy is very good. His production numbers kind of look off because, he, again, he's sharing the backfield. So it's like he's not putting up, like – 450 yards a game because he's just, he's got to split those yards. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's certainly a lot of candidates out there. The problem, the problem is that, and we've talked about before, uh, it, it becomes who's the best player on the best team, not who's the best player in the nation. I think, oh, it would be, I think they really need to find a different kind of award for that. I think, well, so you've got, like, the Maxwell Award that's, like, for the best offensive player, and then you've got, like, the individuals, like the Davey O'Brien Trophy and the Doug Walker. And but I, I mean, let's, let, let's be real, though. How often do those go to, like, a different candidate? Those are pretty consistently follow the... Yeah, I mean, normally normally if you're a quarterback and you win the Heisman, you're probably going to win the Johnny Unitas and the Davey O'Brien, yeah. depending on if you're a senior or not, because I think one of them requires you to be a senior. You know, if you're a running back and you win the Heisman, you're probably going to win the Doug Walker. Yeah, I'm, I mean, that's all I'm saying. Yeah. Charles Woodson, when he won the Heisman, also won the Jim Thorpe Award for the best defensive back. Like, yeah. I mean, I'm just I'm just stating the obvious, but uh, we'll see. I, I mean, eh, there's still a lot of time but to see how things play out, but I think it'll take BYU making the playoffs. I'll stand by that statement for the, I, I agree. For him to get in there. I uh, agree. Next up, uh, my favorite game of the weekend, Florida, taking it to UGA. Kyle Trask's 474 yards through the air. Like, Jesus. Uh, I don't know if you watched this game or not, or if you just kind of... I actually, I actually turned it off when Georgia was in the lead because I was like, I don't want to put myself through this crap. I did, and then I came back because 
I think it was the second quarter where all of a sudden Florida was up by like yeah they scored twenty four points in the second quarter and I was just like what the fuck happened <laughs> I turned it off because for those who missed it Georgia got up by fourteen very early um and so I think most Georgia Tech fans were like fuck this I, I have a hard enough time as it is and then Florida just rushed it back <laughs> they were killing it but yeah I mean. I think, again, it was also a battle of turnovers. Um, Georgia didn't look good on defense in general. They were giving up a lot of long plays that they probably shouldn't have been. Uh, and I think uh, it comes, Stetson Bennett did not look great. Uh, I think he, he got hurt, too. He did get hurt, but he was very bad up to the point that he got hurt. Uh, well, I mean, isn't that kind of what we talked about with Georgia? Is if you can force them to try to throw the ball, you're probably going to beat them. And that's pretty much how it played out. I mean, Kirk Kirby Smart, apparently it's an open quarterback competition this week, but because their game against Missouri got postponed, we'll, we'll never know. Uh-huh. All right. Yeah, I don't know. He just kind of makes things up as he goes along. Um, Man, all right, so someone posted, like, his first however many years he's been in Georgia, he's got almost the same record as Mark Richt. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, there's a lot of rumblings about Kirby's a great recruiter, but he's not a very good game day coach. And then their offense has been, I mean, their offense hasn't been very good. Even when they were, you know, they, I mean, the offense itself has always kind of struggled. They they were talking about someone I was, I was reading where they talked about, you know, Nick Saban realized that you needed to open the offense up. You needed to spread the field. You needed to be doing what everyone else was doing. You know, you couldn't line up a running back, a tight end, a fullback, and run the ball anymore unless you're Wisconsin. And... Georgia hasn't learned that yet, so their offensive coordinator hires recently have just not been very good or very innovative. Well, my take is, and maybe this is just a personal thing because I don't like their current, I'm trying to think of the right term, uh, personality, their current aesthetic. I think they kind of need to change their mentality because Georgia has always been, and even with Kirby at the helm, continues to be a very emotional based team and that seems to be the struggle that most of the Saban disciples cannot seem to figure out is they need to kind of have a lockdown mentality with their players which is something that probably won't fly in the pros but uh, uh, in college that's kind of the mentality you got to walk into in a game you can't let your uh, players get run in by you know getting down early or having momentum sway them or getting chippy and getting into fights on the field. And that's kind of what Georgia does. Now I will agree from a strategy standpoint, uh, Georgia's offense has not been great. Uh, they have not taken any strides to really try to improve it, but I think they kind of just need a whole overhaul of the Georgia mentality. And I think that kind of, that both of those factors play into it. Um, the, the favorite way I've ever heard Georgia and Georgia fans described is there the arrogance of Alabama with the trophy case of Vanderbilt? <laughs> I don't know. I, was, I don't know if I've ever heard a more perfect description of Georgia. I kind of viewed them like the SEC's Miami, where it's like they talk a lot of shit, but I, I guess the key difference there being Miami actually has the awards to back it up. Miami's got five national titles. Yeah, so so that's a that's a big difference. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that's... We just of... lost, like, all six Georgia fans to listen to this. Oh, fuck. Fuck them. God. I was gonna... They're, they're gonna come find me. Uh, 
I was going to make a joke before the thing started about how all people from Atlanta, from Georgia, are just terrible people. But yeah, you know, it's fun. There's way too many UGA flags on my street up here in Nashville. <laughs> it's really annoying. So another team that we're probably going to piss off, uh, Michigan, uh, going on the road to Indiana. They got their teeth kicked in, uh, which is a recurring theme for Michigan now. Uh, I don't know why they're bad. This is this is nine Indiana. I don't know why people are questioning. It's <laughs> yeah, it nine Indiana. Come at me. This is just Indiana now. This is just what they do. Uh, yeah, it's nine Indiana, but oh come on. But uh, turnover is what killed this game. It looks like two turnovers for Michigan, none for Indiana. Indiana controlled the clock. They had more first downs. They were better on third down. They had more yards. Yeah, Indiana. Forced, forced turnovers and held the ball. Uh, Michigan defense couldn't uh, couldn't get off the field. It looks like. Nah, and I think I think that's the key thing. I think Indiana had a good game plan going into it, and I mean honestly, I think Michigan's probably still a little ruffled. I don't know if it's necessarily in Harbaugh's head or just the team's head in general, but I, I can't imagine you know things are going great on campus. With, with how they've been performing. I mean, it sucks because, I mean, they had a really good game and then they lost to Michigan State and all of a sudden things did a complete 180 and just collapsed on them. But, I, I mean, you got to win those kind of basic games and uh, this is, again, kind of a systematic problem that they're dealing with that's gotta, that they got to find a correction for. And I don't think there's an easy solution. It's just going to haunt them for a while uh, yeah I mean Michigan's a weird thing too because again they always deal with comparing themselves to Ohio State and I mean they just they really haven't had a great I think Lloyd Carr was their, their I mean I think he won the last national title for him I mean obviously Shep uh, Beckler was the guy but which makes you really wonder what like post same in Alabama is going to look like uh, I'm worried that uh well, um, I could go on a rant about post saving Alabama. That I don't see it going well, but I'm worried that Michigan. No, it never goes well. <laughs> I'm worried. It's that... going to be like post Shashevsky Duke. Like it's going to be weird. Well, it's going to be tough for us because you know, as you pointed out with your earlier statement, Alabama fans are arrogant, and they will not be. Ha- it's going to look a lot like this Michigan team. We're going to get a guy who wins like nine games a year. And then we're going to be disappointed that we didn't win a national championship, and we're going to throw a brick through his window. I think I've heard that story somewhere before. I'm pretty sure that happened to a guy. <laughs> um, but anyway, yes. Yeah, you won your first SEC title since the Bear, and you threw a brick through his window. Throw a brick through his window. But yeah. Um, <laughs> but as far as Michigan goes, they could be the next Nebraska. The way things are going, where. If this kips up and they get rid of Harbaugh, you know, you just can't find a good replacement and you end up being a four or five win team every year. That's a, mm, that's a I think the one, the one difference in my mind is it's easier to recruit to Michigan than it is to Nebraska. Well, I think they have a better recruiting base for the Big Ten. As well, yes. I mean, both being closer to Ohio – and um, I think Michigan's decent high school football. Not the great, but I think there's some talent. Yeah, and I, I think they've kind of also got the, um, as someone was talking about on the radio this week, I think uh, 
for all their upset about, you know, the football program. Uh, they have a pretty well-known academic program, which is something that Nebraska has struggled with going into the Big Ten, which a lot of the Big Ten schools compete on the academic level. Uh, Michigan, yeah, they've got this whole, like, big consortium thing. Yeah, so, I mean, Michigan's kind of got that to draw players in, oddly enough, whereas Nebraska just doesn't. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Um, but, yeah. I mean, so, Nebraska just, I'm, I'm still mad about Frank Sellers, so, you know, that was what duped Nebraska. I don't think they should have ever left the Big 12, um, but, I mean. You know, I, I actually really agree with you on that, because I think I, leaving the Big 12 took them out of their natural recruiting base in Texas. 100%, yeah. Um, I, I, to an extent, feel the same way about Colorado. Um, Colorado is... But I think, I think Colorado can make inroads into California, whereas Nebraska doesn't really have anywhere to make inroads in being in the Big Ten. I think Missouri and the SEC is another interesting one because Missouri lost some of their... Now, they, do, they, they, they have A&M in the conference, so they can't kind of dive Texas a little bit. But honestly, I... I to go even further back, I think it hurt Arkansas a lot when the Southwest Conference collapsed. Because, again, Arkansas heavily recruited Texas. Well, and I think you've also got some different arguments for all those schools. Like, with Nebraska, it's pretty much all been downhill. Uh, I think mm, I need to look at the financials. Obviously, with Missouri, or Mizzou, sorry, uh, they've struggled on the field against an SEC, you know, caliber opponents, but you know, money, money, money from the AC. Well, I mean, the same thing with Nebraska. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then uh, Colorado. Uh, I, I would have to take an in-depth look at Colorado because Colorado has been, despite what we might say, they've been an interesting team. Um, they've, they've had good years and they've had some very, very bad years. Um, I mean, I think, I think Colorado's best years were those early 90s where they split the national title with us. I, I think they were kind of, mediocre to bad the rest of the time well i think uh i would need to check but i think the past when they first got into the pac-12 they were they i don't think they were in the finals or anything but they were competing for uh the champion championship games but yeah i would have to go back and actually look at it because there's a lot to go into there i mean what year did they join the pac-12 do you remember I think it was the same year that it became the Pac-12. So and they went from 2005 to 2016 without a winning season. I don't know. They went know. 10 years without a winning season. I'd have to check. I don't know. Because um, <laughs> well, we went into college. What was it? Oh, God. The years fly by. It was, yeah, yeah, you're, you're telling me, man. It was around the time. It was sometime when we were in college, which would imply that it was like somewhere in the 2010s. Uh, 2011. Okay, yeah. So they went, uh, so 2011 they went 3 and 10. Uh, 2012 they went 1 and 10. 2013 they went 4 and 8. 2014 they went 2 and 10. Uh, 4 and 9. Then they went 10 and 4. Uh, yeah. 2015. That must have been then the they went, Then they went 5 and 7. Then they went 5 and 7. Then they went 5 and 7. And they are currently 1 and 0. Yeah, yeah. Weird enough. Yeah, like looking at their Wikipedia graph, like their best years were maybe like eighty-seven to ninety-five. What happened with the ten and four season? That must have been the one I'm thinking about. But yeah, yeah, that was that was the my, the surprise Mike McIntyre season where they made the Pac-12 title game. Mm-hmm. 
Ooh. And then obviously, you know, weren't able to build on that success because they went five and seven, five and five and seven. Yeah. Three times. Um, but also, I don't, yeah, but also, I mean, again, they're, I don't think they were losing much by switching because they weren't that great in the program to begin with. And then, yeah, well, no, I mean, they were, I guess, they had their high peak, but about 85, 84, and then it just kind of been, you know, like, the funny part is I always remember as a kid on Thanksgiving watching Nebraska-Colorado. Like, that was a huge game. Nebraska used to beat the fire, but I remember watching it a couple of times and being like, oh, this is really cool. I also miss a lot of those. Texas, Texas A&M is the biggest one, obviously, but Mizzou, Kansas was actually pretty interesting. But yeah, yeah. I mean, there, there's a lot to be said for those kind of things. We would have to do a separate cast to talk about the, how the Big 12 kind of fell apart. Um, but anyway, uh, we're going to move on to this next week. Do you have any games from last week that you want to highlight? You don't want to talk about Liberty upsetting Virginia Tech or anything? I mean, I'm cool with that. I hate Virginia Tech, so that was awesome. Did you see how that game ended? Uh, they the, kicked the field goal with Liberty. It got blocked. Virginia Tech ran it back for a touchdown. Turned down Virginia Tech's kick. T, uh, coach froze the kicker, so they had to replay the down. And then and I think made the second kick. <laughs> I think Liberty actually decided after they had fucked up the first kick, they actually made like a short pass to get it a little closer. And then he made the second kick. But yeah, either way, I mean, <laughs> that's the kind of loss that just makes you feel shitty. Is that Quint? That's Quinte. Yeah, that was. Yeah, he's, I think he's he's in some. He's got some hot seat going on up there. I think they're not happy with him. It's kind of crazy because he hasn't been bad, but well, he hasn't been terrible. Well, but he hasn't. But he hasn't been Frank Beamer. So the other thing. Uh, so Virginia Tech is another weird kind of thing where I I think joining the ACC really hurt them. Um, I, that's my hot take. Uh, I guess if that's a hot take, is that. Joining the SEC forced Virginia Tech to compete. Now, when they joined, I mean, they were really good. I mean, they won the Coastal the first, like, six years they were at the conference. You know, like, Frank Beamer, oh, I, I mean, want to say, they joined in, what, like, 05? Yeah, it was pretty late for them, yeah. I mean, Beamer, you know, 11 wins, 10 wins, 11 wins, 10 wins, 10 wins, 11 wins, 11 wins. I mean, before... And they went 7 and 6 in 2012, and they just never... Recovered. I mean, Fuente won 10 games his first year, 9 games his second year, 6 games his third year, 8 games in 2019, and he's 4-3 this year. Yeah, well, I mean, they're kind of suffering from the same syndrome that Florida State had, which is they had a good coach for so long, and then as soon as he left, they're like, well, what do we do now? Now you're scaring me. You're making me think about savingless Alabama again. Um, so let's move on. Uh, I'm going to plug Winsipedia.com. It's a really cool website for a lot of uh, FBS team history. You've mentioned it in the past. It's got a lot of interesting stats Um, on it. For the record, I have the Texas A&M rivalry bookmarked, so I can drop it on Artem anytime he gets up in that That's why you got that available. I'm not not even joking. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, I mean, back to – this week, man, you're not giving me a lot of time to talk about this week. Uh, so I mean, we still got at least half an hour, bro. <laughs> uh, you say that we're we're already forty minutes in. Oh uh, man, crap! I forgot that we started ten minutes early. Uh, but anyway, right? This would just be a thick pod. So it's Four yeah, C's. it's thick, like uh, with like three C's, um, like yeah. our like our punching. Um, anyway, yeah. 
Which, hopefully, he's not the one with COVID. That would be very upsetting. Um, so, I do want to call out this week. We just had a crazy game in Toledo at Western Michigan. That was... I don't know if you watched that or not, but that was a... I, I watched the... It's nuts. Yeah, the, that was a wicked ending to a game. Um, especially... I, I haven't seen a fake spike for a touchdown fake spike play for a touchdown out of anyone other than Aaron Rodgers. I'm kind of surprised the whole thing worked. Uh, especially because the clock manager didn't even seem to be expecting it. Like, they started the clock and then stopped it as soon as it looked like he threw the pass, and then they didn't even start it back up again once it... But anyway, yeah, it, it was crazy. Um, so, yeah, that was a wild game. Maction is magic. Uh, if we have any guys who are like, why should I watch college football? Uh, check out some of the Maction games, you know, <laughs> Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday. You might be like, some of these you're going to be like, what the hell am I watching? And some of these you're going to be like, holy shit, this is amazing. Um, but anyway, so moving on to the rest of the week. We've got tomorrow, Iowa at Minnesota. Um so those are both two teams that are kind of looking to bounce back. I, I'm kind of hoping because I want Minnesota to bounce back. They've had a really rough start this year. But um, I don't know that Iowa's the team they're going to do it against. Yeah. Sorry, I'm, I'm watching fucking Richard post. Richard's having like a field day. Anyway, yeah. Was, um, I mean, I don't know what your thoughts are on that. Minnesota's really been a huge letdown this year. And, you know, we kind of expect, expected a lot out of them, and they've just done nothing. You know, they beat Illinois. You kind of expect them to beat Illinois. Uh, the defense seems to be struggling. They've given up 40-some points in three straight games. Um, uh, yeah, I don't think – honestly, they may not win a game. Nebraska, because um, we don't know anything about Purdue, Wisconsin, Western, about pretty good. So, I mean, Minnesota beat, like not win a game this year, which would be kind of – crazy given what we you know we expected that I think they kind of turned the corner well wait didn't they win last week I thought they no yeah well they beat Illinois that doesn't count <laughs> I know Illinois, Illinois, Illinois is probably not going to win the game this year Illinois is the new Rutgers which is uh, sad actually we will find out this weekend because Illinois is at Rutgers <laughs> at Rutgers oh man I'm, I'm kind of sad that it's, it's weird to say this I'm sad that's on the Big Ten Network because I kind of want to watch that game I, I get the Big Ten Network with YouTube TV, so because I watched some of the Northwestern game last week. Oh, really? Interesting. Yeah. It Rutgers has consistently, for the weird aspects, they've consistently had interesting plays. They've had highlights where you're like, wow, this kind of looks like a football team. So Should I start paying attention to Rutgers? And <laughs> then you go, no, no. I shouldn't. It's Rutgers. Well, I mean, just because they have, like, two or three plays where you're like, oh, wow, this looks really exciting. That doesn't make for an entire football game. <laughs> um, but, yeah, you know, I, I do think they're starting – they're making the right moves to get there. Um, speaking of Virginia Tech from last week, Miami goes on the road at Virginia Tech. Uh, I kind of expect Miami to run away with that guy. Uh, no, Indiana at Michigan State. Again, Indiana should take that. So I guess the early game matchup that I'm probably going to be watching, and I know you are going to be watching, is Wake Forest at North Carolina. Um, I think people 
as always, will continue to sleep on Wake Forest until they prove themselves. But this is a pretty solid Wake Forest team. Uh, I've been hyping them up the past few weeks. Uh, I don't. And I obviously this is a good North Carolina team. I don't. I don't know how much I should say because I've already gotten yelled at by Elizabeth once today, and I know you have too. But uh, I will say Sam Howell, I think, is the better quarterback, and if the difference is going to occur, I think it'll be a quarterback. So hopefully UNC's game management will lead them to a victory. But I wouldn't be shocked if uh, Wake Forest walks away with a close one here. Yeah, Carolina's problem is they can't do what they've done losses, which is get down. Um, they're definitely a team that plays better from the front. And that's really where they've had issues, both in the Virginia and Florida State games, is the defense struggled early. And the offense fought as best they could, but just ran out of time trying to come back. So I think if they come in and get on the board early, I think they're going to be okay. Uh, yeah, I think turnovers, again, is going to be a question. That's that's why Wake beat Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech threw three interceptions to the same guy. So, you know, don't do that. Uh, doesn't doesn't help things certainly. <laughs> so yeah, but I mean, I think I think this is I don't like the thirteen and a half point spread. I think this game's going to be closer to the spread, but I think North Carolina is going to win. And then uh, moving on to the three thirty game. I also don't want to sleep in the guest bedroom. You never want to sleep in the guest bedroom. It's a nice bedroom. It is. It's actually it's actually a really nice guest bedroom. So maybe guest bedroom more often. But uh, you know, before you move out, but. Uh, Next up would be the 3.30 matchup, and uh, given that Alabama-LSU is postponed, uh, my next highlight would actually be another ACC matchup, Notre Dame at Boston College. Um, I mean, again, we joked about it, but Boston College, low-key a good team. They put up a good... Yeah, like they're, they're definitely not a bad team. They're putting up really good fights against, you know, they put up a great fight against UNC, lost that one. Put up a great fight against Clemson on the road. Lost that one. Um, you know, another... Right, they make a phone out by Virginia Tech, but, you know, that happens. Well, uh, you know, happens to the best of us. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, now you got Notre Dame going on the road to Boston College for the Holy War, for the Red Bandana game. This is going to be very intense. I, I would expect uh, a very close matchup, closer than, uh, well, let me see what the experts think. Yeah, I think it's a thirteen and a half point game. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think it's, it's certainly thir- closer than that, but uh, it would be like you said, it'd be PACC for them to knock off Clemson and then lose to Boston College, which Boston <laughs> College apparently has beaten highly ranked Notre Dame before. So, uh, uh, yeah, I've seen a few games where <laughs> it's it's odd that the higher you get ranked against Boston College, the more likely they are to just destroy you. <laughs> I think I've seen that happen to USC. A few times in Notre Dame for sure. Notre Dame, like it's just weird. Um, yeah, it's it. That's the other matchup that's really interesting to me. And then I, I think that's pretty much it on the day. I think there are some interesting late games. I guess my seven thirty matchup, as weird as it kind of sounds, uh, but this is in your field uh, for the Big Ten, Northwestern at Purdue, two undefeated teams kind of going at it. Uh, is that is that the game you want to talk about, or would you rather discuss Wisconsin at Michigan? No, yeah, I, mean, I think Northwestern-Purdue might be the better game. Um, I think SMU-Tulsa might low-key be an interesting game. That's the, the that's a 7 o'clock game. I would, but yeah, 
wasn't to me been a surprise. You know, they're 3-0 with some good wins. Um, Purdue, uh, you know, you never know, really know with Purdue. Rondell Moore is back for them, which is, you know, it's a fun player to watch. But, you know, Northwest is a two-and-a-half favorite on the road, so it's going to be an interesting game. I think in terms of, like, what you have in the 6.30 or 7.30 for you slot, uh, if you want to watch someone get fired, watch Ole Miss beat South Carolina. They they might leave Will Muschamp in Memphis. Um, NC State, Florida State, low key be kind of interesting because Florida State's terrible and NC State's NC State. So, um, I do think that I figured the game that you would highlight, although I know it's not in the seven thirty category. I figured the game you would want to highlight was Army at Tulane because Tulane's been doing very good this year, and Army, although they're not ranked anymore, has had a very I mean, good. Really interesting. Uh, it's a four and a half point favorite in that game. That game's on ESPN Plus, which I have, so I will probably watch that one. Um, the other eleven o'clock game is Coastal Carolina Troy. Shot clears. Yay! yay. Um, they're an eleven point favorite. I, I actually like Troy, so I think this is going to be a closer game than than the eleven point spread. But you know, go Chef to clear. Uh, keep. Uh, we're still on pace for nine Indiana, so they need to beat Michigan State. Uh, my Virginia Tech should be a pretty good game. Virginia Tech's a two point favorite at home, so that might be kind of fun to watch. Actually, uh, this yeah. is crazy. Like, like the eleven o'clock games to me are better. I think than some of the late games because, like, we already talked about Illinois Rutgers. Uh, it does remind Penn State and winless Nebraska like. It does remind me though. Um, I forgot to talk about this last week. Uh, I know you didn't. You probably didn't watch it, but the the early USC Arizona State game. Did you <laughs> see? Did, it? Yeah, I didn't watch it. Either. USC won. Yeah, no, that was a crazy game. Um, so for those unfamiliar, uh, they had that game at noon Eastern, but it was on the west coast of the United States. So that game was basically played at like 9 a.m. There were seven turnovers. Oh my god, how did I not watch this game? It was such a crazy game. It was basically played at 9 a.m. on the West Coast with these kids. This is even, oh my god, USC was 40 and 55 for 381 yards, whereas Arizona State ran the ball 38 times for 258. Why did I not watch this game? It was it was very good. Even the young watch this game. I, I'm kind of disappointed it, it didn't get more highlights. It would have been the game of the week had not Clemson Notre Dame happened. Uh, yeah. But yeah, that was that was a fucking that was a fucking wild ride. I <sighs> I should have won. It's like Pac-12 before lunch. I'm kind of hoping they have more games like that now. <laughs> like <laughs> I know it's a silly thing, but I I mean I thought it was fucking crazy entertaining. Uh, but anyway, yeah, so last thing I want to touch on before we sign off for the day. Uh, so we've got a bunch of postponements. I mean, you talked about it before. Um, most of them are actually in the SEC, um, although some key ones are also Ohio State and Maryland, uh, with obviously Ohio State competing. And uh, So the one difference is the Big Ten cancels. They don't postpone Oh, so it's straight up done. The Big Ten cancels, and apparently the rule is if you have three or more canceled, you can't win your division. Fuck. Well, and I mean... Oh my god, how nuts would it be if if Ohio State doesn't play enough games to win their division, but they're undefeated? (sighs) I want to live in that world. Well, I think there's it's a legit concern for Wisconsin right now because they've already 
<laughs> yeah, so, I mean, this is not an unreasonable possibility. And then you've got... So all those all those teams get kicked out, and then you got nine Windiana in the fucking playoffs. I mean, oh, there we go. There we go. You ready for this? Undefeated Cincinnati, undefeated BYU, undefeated Coastal Carolina, and undefeated nine Windiana. Done. <laughs> Yeah, that's the, kind of world, that's the playoff world I want to live in. That's that's the dream, huh? Okay, but yeah, I mean, uh, obviously, COVID's still playing a big factor right now. Uh, so I do want to continue to emphasize: people need to stay safe out there. Wear your mask, wash your hands, stay six feet away from people. It will be interesting to see how they fit these into the schedule, especially now that, like, a lot of the the um, academy schools are also dealing with it. So, like, if Navy and Air Force have to make up this game, Navy and Army usually play their last game of the year um, in early December uh, after everybody else has played their games. You know, Army-Navy, that's a big deal. Um, and then if that if they start having games after that, I don't know what that if that's a bad precedent. I don't know how they, how they feel about that. Uh, hmm. eh. They might just treat it like bowl games, I guess. And then, yeah. Uh, Although, did you see that for bowl games, they, like, stripped away all the requirements? So, like, technically, we could get invited to a bowl game? I saw somebody bring up the fact that we could end up playing Georgia in a bowl game, and I'm like, just, no. Let's not. Yeah, just fuck that. We not. Like, I'm, I'm okay with not playing Georgia, I, especially this year. You know what? Let's play UCLA. I, I'm cool with that. That, that, that is, is, you know, Georgia would be like, huh, Clemson beat them 73 to 7. Let's see if we, we can top that. We can do better. Yeah, sure. Like, I, no, I don't want anything to do with Georgia. Uh, this year. Uh, I actually don't want anything to do with Georgia for like a couple of years, but you know, that's just me. Honestly, depending on how these last few games go for Georgia Tech, I'm kind of like, you know what? Maybe we shouldn't be in a bowl game. Uh, you know, I might be cool with I'm, that. I'm already packed and ready for basketball season if it happens. Um, and even more packed and ready for baseball season, which please, dear Lord, let that happen. But yeah, so I think um, I think the key thing that you're looking at is it may, we're lucky for the SEC because they've already played most of their games, so we kind of kind of know more or less who's going to walk out of those conference that conference. Uh, Ohio State, like you said, this is still a, poss- a looming possibility that they could, they could get kicked out of the playoff. Um, so that would be interesting. Or even better if they get they get three games canceled. They're not allowed to play in the Big Ten Championship, but the they still put them in with the playoff committee. It's fucking ridiculous. Uh, anyway, all right, man. Do you got any more thoughts before we close it out for the night? Boise State, Colorado State. Um, I didn't realize Atlantic was three and one. I also didn't realize that Willie Taggart was the head coach of Florida Atlantic. So uh, that's two things that I. Today. Uh, have, you started, have you started seeing the um, some of the spring schedules that the FCS programs have been putting out? Um, I've I saw they came out. I haven't started looking. I am. You don't know how excited I am to have like full on legit spring football. <laughs> I'm gonna get my turnover plank. I'm gonna start going hooty hoo and let's go owls. Are they gonna get like legit coverage though, or is I, it? I really hope so. Um, I mean, what what sports do we really have in the spring? Uh, basketball, basketball, pretty much. I mean, and 
the NBA is stupid and college basketball is cool, but this college football is cool too. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Kennesaw State, I would watch that all day if they found it. I, I do watch that all day. Where where do they show the games? They're on usually like ESPN Plus or one of those. Oh, I got to buy. Fuck, I hate ESPN. Dude, look, if you get ESPN Plus, Hulu, and Disney Plus for like 12 bucks a month. I don't even want, I don't want any of those, uh, whatever, anyway. Now, I've only got Disney Plus because I wanted to watch The Mandalorian, so I did the trial thing, but this is waste. Uh, I still haven't watched the second season yet. I think my wife and I are waiting for the, the whole, like, piece to come out and then we'll watch it. Uh, he's gonna come out of the closet and then you're gonna watch it? Yes, The Mandalorian's gonna take his helmet off and then I'll watch it. I think he did that in the first season, right? I don't know. I, don't, I thought they never took their helmets off. It was, uh... Wait, you saw the end of the first season, right? Yeah. Yeah, that was the scene with the robot. Oh. I need to rewatch the first season. Yeah. It's been a while. Well, it was, it was like, yeah, I'm not gonna spoil it, because people are listening. The world is listening, and they will be angry. Alright, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Y'all have a good rest of your week, and uh, let's look forward to some good college football. And the Masters. And the Masters. Oh, yeah. Well, we, we talked about the Masters already. Sorry. I was, I was going to do like a Masters highlight, but I was like, oh, yeah, we already kind of talked about how Tiger started off hot. So, yeah. Yep. All righty. Y'all have a good rest of your night. Talk to you easy. Bye.